Ladies and gentlemen, get jazzed up. I'm Kent Garrison. I'm Brian Gill. And I'm Richard Barnes. And this is Mad About Movies. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Happy 2021, ma'am fam. Welcome back to the Mad About Movies podcast for another year of nonsense. I think that's the best way to sum it up, what we're doing around here, what we got going on. Thank you for joining us. If this is the first time, welcome. We talk about a movie a week here on the main feed, and we talk about a lot of movies around here on Mad About Movies, especially over in our VIP club. Shout out to our VIPs. Thank you for joining us multiple times a week over there. We got throwback episodes happening, and especially our Discord. We're rolling that Discord over into 2021, and it's popping off over there. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about some things we've got happening in 2021, which leads me to our State of the Union. We got a little State of the Union happening, a special episode where we're going to be talking about what we are going to be doing on the show for the next year, for the foreseeable future. We've made some plans. We've worked some things. We've ended some pending lawsuits between us, and uh, yeah. we're ready. We're ready to move on. So mm-hmm. look forward to that. And Check that out here on the main feed. We'll we'll post part of that on the main feed, and and the whole thing will be on the on the VIP, which in which uh, we surveyed our VIPs, and we're going to go into the results of that with our VIPs. So that'll be exciting. So so stay tuned for that, and, and shout out to those people. But man, wouldn't be a year without a, a Pixar movie, and we're still <laughs> kind of wrapping up 2020 when it comes to the movie side of things. It is 2021. But we got to wrap up the year. We got, uh, I think, two, three more episodes, and uh, then we're gonna we're gonna wrap up the year nice and tidy in a bow. And um, and what a year it was. And yeah, mm. what a way, what a way to end it. We we are ending <laughs> on a high note. I will say that uh, we're we're ending on a on a good on a good stride with some with some fun awardsy type movies. Here in the next few weeks, we've got Soul this week, then we've got Nomadland, and we've got Minari on the, mm. on the pipeline for the main feed, and we've got uh, yeah a bunch of throwbacks. Happy Gilmore talk happening in the mm. VIP. So I know we got a lot of Happy Gilmore fans out there. Fun throwback happening, and so yeah, subscribe for that one. But guys, Disney Pixar, they're back. Man, they're back. Are they? Are they back? Are they ever? Um, second Monsters Pixar movie. Inc. Three. <laughs> oh, Monsters another. Preschool. <laughs> um, we <laughs> we actually uh, yeah second movie this year. We're talking about Pixar. You guys talked onward. I think yeah earlier this year when I was yeah. on on my honeymoon that right before like the the pandy hit decade and uh, here here we are man yeah onward was good. I liked the I liked old onward. I was that was uh rewatched that one several times over over the the pandemic. Uh, mm. Quite quite quality. That was the last movie I saw in theaters until, you know, all the the crazy the the shutdown and stuff happened, so. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh but yeah, that feels like a decade ago. Easily. So. <laughs> that was this year uh movie-wise. <laughs> that movie yeah, it's, it's crazy, wild. man. Yeah. Wild. I remember when they they dropped that on Disney Plus and that was a big deal too mm-hmm. and it kind of changed industry-wise some some things around, but I, I find Pixar so fascinating, you know, and we'll get into the movie here, but I've done a lot of reading over the past year on on Pixar because I read Ed Catmull's book, Creativity Inc. I don't know if you either of you boys have read that one, but um I think I've I've weekly recommended that one in the past. And that one's fascinating because you know, Ed obviously Started Pixar was hugely influential in in terms of digital animation. Literally, um, did the the first ever digital animation ever uh, that was of a it was a hand. You can look, look that one up uh, on YouTube. But um, very fascinating how he started the company and, and of, of course where they are. And I also read a little bit of Bob Iger's book this year, or I read Bob Iger's book, not a little bit. Yeah, I just read four pages and uh, set it on down. No, I read Bob Iger's book and and he talks a lot about Pixar, their philosophy, why they were such an important target for him when he was um, appointed CEO of the Walt Disney Company and how he worked with Steve Jobs to, to gain the trust of Pixar because, you know, Pixar was a private company for so long. 
and it was run by some very great but very creative people that that were very confident in what they did. So to say, hey, uh, you know, corporate overlords over here, uh, can we run things? You know, that's that's a hard sell. And but Bob Iger was able to gain the trust of them and say, hey, you know, I just want you to do you. I want you to make Pixar movies. We will use our resources. We'll use our parks, our Disney worlds, our Disney pluses, our Disney channels, all those types of things to, to be able to, to promote and accentuate what you're doing. But we want Pixar to be Pixar. And I, I just want to say, you know, I, I think it's obvious to say that they've done a great job of that. You know, Pixar has been from Toy Story till now. I think they've been very, very, very consistent mm-hmm. in terms of what they've done. Um, and I think yeah. there's been a little Disney influence on the, you know, Disney animation is also pretty successful as like a separate sort of stepbrother to this, but also mm. like, you know, um, uh, there's a few, there's a few, hey, sequels that may not have happened um, if Pixar was just running completely their own shop, but that's okay because that pays for even more. I think the trade off is, hey, make a Monsters Inc. sequel or whatever, or another Cars, and we'll let you get really weird with whatever, mm. you know, your big one the is. The good dinosaur. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so something like Soul, like as much as it's kind of annoying to ruin the perfect game that Pixar had going, I don't know if something like Soul really happens without, you know, Monsters University or yeah, Cars Toy Story 4, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Toy Story is kind of different because like they've, they've really held up, you know, the... And story, story, story four was a little dip only because Toy Story three is so perfect, but you know those those aren't as like cash grabby as some of these other ones. But you know if it makes more souls, as we'll get into, I think that's a okay sure. trade. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. And you know, you look like a look at a movie like Soul in terms of intellectual property. You know, I don't know if we're going to see Joe Gardner characters at Disney Disney World anytime soon. So like you know. The Disney people looking at this one, they don't. They probably don't see dollar signs, you know, <laughs> exactly. But and that's why they did something like Onward, which is much more broad, much more marketable, much more franchisable, mm-hmm. I feel like, than this. But yeah, that leaves them room for people like Pete Docter, director mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. and writer of this one, to get weird. And Pete Docter gets weird. And I love, I love his movies. I love the concepts behind his movies, they're so broad. They're so almost vague in terms of his pitches. You know, imagine, um, imagine a a movie where he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a movie that, that, uh, that talks about what makes a person, a person, what, what defines people as human beings. Okay. Yeah, cool. (laughs) So you're going to animate that? Like how, how is that? And he's done that twice now, you know, in, in to varying degrees. And I think the obvious comparison here is Inside Out. Obviously, there are similarities, but there's, I was really surprised and, and happy with how different they made them. Um, there, are, there are very similar elements. We'll get into that. But um, yeah, Pete Docter is something else. And Up is one of my favorite ones he's done, too. And, you know, you think about the concept of that movie, too, and what it means to let go. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the most emotional movies ever, if not the most emotional Pixar film ever. And so, yeah, Pete doctor is, is basically running things now. He's kind of the new Lassiter around mm-hmm. there. Well-deserved because I would hitch my wagon to that, what that guy's got going on. I think Gosh. he understands story and emotion maybe better than any director of animation I can ever recall. Uh, and, yeah, the the process of Pixar fascinates me. It just it does. I I want to I want to watch every documentary, I want to read every book, listen to every podcast about the process cuz they're so secretive. But like they've learned their lessons. I don't know if y'all have heard about Newt. The um mm-hmm. the uh, failed story of Newt, but it was a it was a a, a movie that they basically announced full on mm-hmm. announced yeah. and they, they rarely announce movies until they know they're going to be out there and good and all that. And so they did it. It was about a little uh, lizard who was like an extinct lizard and finds like his other partner who's a girl and they, you know, go on an adventure. It was basically the plot of Rio, like the, the exact plot of Rio. And like they kind of <laughs> delayed it and delayed it. And then Rio came out, <laughs> you know, people caught wind of like what they were doing and like, all right, we got to get Rio. 
And Rio came out, was pretty successful, had a sequel, all that kind of stuff. And they could never figure out Newt. And so they shelved it and they were super embarrassed about it. But since then, they used that as a learning experience to say, we're never letting that happen again. Every frame of these are going to be absolutely flawless before they're put out into theaters and for people to see or even announced. And that's awesome. And, you know, that leads us to Soul. Every frame of this movie was like oh, perfect. Man. It dude. is, man. It is like Beautiful. absolutely. Last few between and with your jaw dropped and smiling for mm-hmm. an hour and a half when you watch these films. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like, <laughs> I don't know. It's like we're living in a time where we get to see Da Vinci paint, you know, with these Pixar films. Like, I feel like in 20 years, they're not going to be this good. I, if they are, Hell yeah, but if, you know, I think we're we're so lucky to be able to experience these and this one is just an absolute, you know, masterpiece basically, you know, and I have some complaints with them, but overall this is a freaking masterpiece, man. I god, so good. And, you know, I'm a sucker for this. I'm a jazz guy. I I you know, grew up playing, listening to jazz and so this is like ultimate Kent Garrison movie mode, you know? So <laughs> that has to do with it. But like, I think aside from my personal tastes, I think this is a wonderful, wonderful movie. Wonderful movie. Um, so yeah, that's where we start with soul. Who wants to uh, take the, take the torch. Go ahead, Brian. You're the Pixar Pixariest. Yeah. Not, not a fan of Pixar in general. Um, <laughs> wow. New year for Brian. Really got it. Yeah. Uh, I've been lying all these years. Yeah. Uh, he's a big shark's movie. tail guy. Is that one Pixar? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, it's not. That's it's DreamWorks. Uh, That's a Katzenberg uh, Okay. Thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Quibi. Thought, yeah. Really thought that was Quibi. Pixar. <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen Shark Tale until you've seen it broken up into five minute chunks. Oh, okay. Wonderful. Well, that changes everything. Uh, it's, it's like actually life changing. Uh, so, yeah, check that out. No, look, man. Pixar does incredible stuff. I'm always, I'm always, I think maybe I'm more pumped for a Pixar movie than anything else that gets put out in a year, except for maybe, I, honestly, probably even more than a Star Wars movie at this point. Uh, <laughs> it's, you just always, and I love all the, the the Star Wars sequels, but but it's just, you always know, with the rare exception of you know, Cars 2 that's actually not good, and then a, you know, a couple of their other, the sequel ones are just somewhat bland and, and to your point Richard is it are very uh disnified you know of just it's just this is just here to uh a finance a soul and b sell some uh, some merchandise and whatnot uh but but on the with with those rare exceptions excluded I'm just always excited for what they're gonna do and it's even more so if, if Pete doctor is in charge because this guy is I think he's a genius. Like I genuinely, I think you, you yeah. said it very well, Kent. He, 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 the story structure, he understands, he understands the animation, how to bring those things. I mean, I know he's not in there drawing every frame of this or whatever, but, but I have to believe it's, yeah, it's his uh, concept and, and that they're executing and whatnot. And you're right. It goes I think beyond he's genuinely a genius. It goes beyond like, Oh, this guy knows animation or this guy knows story structure. It's like to be mm-hmm. able to visualize a movie like soul in your mind and how that's going to yeah. play out takes genius. You know, it's, yeah. it's like sitting there and, you know, to make a, a relevant analogy, it's like saying, all right, uh, I want a glass screen and I want the web browser and I want an iPod built in. And, you know, it's like Steve jobs mm-hmm. level of saying, this is what it's going to be. It's going to be huge. Right. This is what it has to look like. You know, it's like, how do you, how would somebody visualize that? It's unbelievable. It's like, it's otherworldly. It's like, how do you write a hit song? I don't know. It's otherworldly. It's just like, you know, it's like yeah. crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, all the stuff that he's done previously has just been outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't think this one, is, that, like Soul is, may not be as good as, as a couple of, of other Pixar movies, but again, that is such a difficult thing to compare movies to, you know, it's, it's almost unfair to to uh to have to pick between the you know the best of the Pixar movies. I think Inside Out is is great and it, it is this is sort of like the spiritual successor to that. But like the ability to world build the way that he did with Inside Out and then they're doing again here with Soul to world build in a kids movie and and this one maybe even more than any other Pixar movie is I think probably more than 50/50 aimed at at adults. Um and in, in you know, in the past of Pixar, you get the and this is one of the things they do so well is they 
they're making a kids movie that appeals to adults and they throw in these things that are uh that are going to keep the adults interested without distracting the kids or or letting them th- or 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 presenting something that's too mature for them to handle or or whatever um they're so good at doing that this one f- genuinely felt like the the other way around it felt like a movie that was made for adults with just enough kid stuff sprinkled in to keep you know pretty colors to keep the kids interested and whatnot um, but to world build in this kind of movie as simply and quickly and efficiently as they did, I mean, they, what a ridiculous accomplishment to be able to, to structure the afterlife and all of its, uh, you know, their, their vision of it anyway, and, and all of its, um, weirdness and quirks and the, the whole system at work and whatnot. And to do that, but to do it without it, like any religious undertones. Yeah, and and to do it in a way that my <laughs> seven year old wasn't like, "What are we doing?" Yeah. You know, while we're watching it and stuff is ridiculous. That's just a ridiculous accomplishment. So, I watched it. I watched this with my kid and Lindsay and a, and a friend of ours on uh, I think on Christmas Day when it came out, and really enjoyed it. And then I went back and rewatched it uh, over the weekend to prep for the episode, just to like really sit down and and try to take it in and stuff. And I'm just. It went from a man that was a really good movie first go around. The second time around, I was like, "Gosh, I'm I'm kind of blown away with with how impressive this is." So great! What an accomplishment! Great movie. Pete Doctor's a genius. Um, I'm excited to, to break it down further with you. But uh, but Richard, what about you, man? Where you stand on this? Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I would think probably the least visual of the three of us in in this kind of stuff. And and I I hate. I'm well on the record for saying I hate to feel um, in movies <laughs> for the most part. Not that I don't respect the ability to make me feel it's just not a pleasurable thing so i i normally watch Mm -hmm. pixar movies once and i'm very moved by them and they're in my top 10 of the year and then i never watch them again because i don't like to feel like that um it just it puts me in touch with things that are that uh you know uh i've you know i've i'm irish and so we bury things for a reason it's a survival mechanism uh so so yeah so i i'm i'm on the this is Along those lines, but I I just love the sort of like um, the intellectual gymnastics and the, like you said the world building the this is one I would probably rewatch before a Toy Story because uh, the Toy Story is is genius and a masterpiece all of them for the most part but it's you know it's a pretty simple you know toys that are alive when people aren't around you know it's like okay so it operates in this really mm-hmm. simple construct whereas this is much more complicated and thus needs probably more rewatching and thinking about it. it's a very kind of philosophical film in some ways as to what it like you said Ken at the beginning uh, inside out it's like what it means to be I think uh, David Foster Wallace had a line is like you know w- good literature is what is about what it means to be a human F word being um, and so this kind of fits into that as well that sort of um, um, you know uh, existential interesting what it means, you know, with, with religion, without religion, with psychology, without psychology, what it means to be human. Oh, well, by the way, it's a super entertaining kind of fun, frothy in parts jazz movie. Like, okay, what? Um, it's mm-hmm. incredibly yeah. ambitious, maybe the most ambitious Pixar film other than Cars 3, which is, you know, because that's when they added the station wagon. Um, and so that was just like total. Game by game. the way, has, has, have we <laughs> talked about, um, Daniel, uh, Doctor Weiser of the Discord had a a line in our suggestions channel about us doing a podcast called Rotten Toe Maters, where we only <laughs> review Cars two every mm-hmm. episode. Mm-hmm. Wow, I'm in, and tough, only Larry the Cable um, Guy's get, performance in Cars. Yeah, yeah, it, it'd be a good like probably five six episodes, um, but then. <laughs> We'd have to cycle in new hosts because we'd all kill ourselves and stuff. But, <laughs> well, we could sell it, but to otherwise, be pretty awesome. Yeah, we could sell. How it fast to- would would Larry the Cable Guy Industries shut us down though? Because you know he's got like four thousand employees running, <laughs> slinging the uh, the whole industry. Larry the Cable Guy cereal or whatever they <laughs> roll out, mm-hmm. the Gitter Duns yeah. O's or whatever. Mm-hmm. Gitter Dun O's. <laughs> Buy them now. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's uh, that, you're you're right. It, this one, the ability for them to to take on these 
concepts and to do them in a visual way. I think that's that's the most impressive part. It's one thing to have it and to write it, but to to animate it is is mm-hmm. another thing. Yeah. The 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 astral plane sequence of all the souls on the on the uh bridge to heaven or whatever the afterlife, whatever you want to call it, where he's like running away from that light, you know? It, mm-hmm. It's odd how accurate that was to like my own personal <laughs> mind's eye version of that. Doesn't isn't that weird how they how Pixar can sure. kind of summarize everybody's um I don't know their own thoughts of of how those abstract things work in animation or it doesn't feel jarring or weird. Uh you know, uh, that that blew my mind and and some of the like 2D and uh, some of the line animation they did in the movie where he's like falling down and through all these weird dimensions of time and what they were able to do with this just to portray a soul leaving existence and into the afterlife like in a kid's movie about jazz. I was like, what? This is, what is going on? This is incredible. And Mm -hmm. I got to admit, guys, I got to admit, I understand why they did it. I understand this is a Pixar Disney movie, but like I wanted more time in the, in the real world with Joe and, and the jazz and his, and his journey. Um, You know, (laughs) I would say probably maybe 15% less time spent in the um soul world so to speak does that make sense sure absolutely yeah, small complaint I, I will say i enjoyed it i yeah, was like wow that, this that, is really cool but i'm like at the same time mm-hmm. uh, you know the whole conversation we've been having is this is you know the the toy stories and cars are why you do these movies and this little mm-hmm. one could have been a little more for the adults in some areas maybe you know a little, yeah, a little I, less uh, tried to tailor it down to the inside out crowd and more for like, hey, let's not try to make this inside out. Let's just make this soul. And, you know, the original movie was the entire thing took place in the soul world and the, the earth part was was a, was a kind of a miniature story, you know, and they kind of flipped those. Um, I don't know. I, I love this movie. I would have maybe loved it even more if it was a. Uh, a little more onto the uh, jazz teacher middle school band trying to <laughs> teach kids the meaning of soul rather than boy, all these uh, weird, creepy, disembodied souls are walking around. Like, I would have nightmares if I was a kid about those, like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, Brian? Like, the giant. Yeah, uh, like, look, I think ones. they presented that well, though. I mean, yeah, it, was, it was awesome, but it uh, was yeah. very well established. Like, just from, from a world building standpoint, but also from the, the visual standpoint, it wasn't, it was, it was creepy, but not overly creepy. Um, and, and they, it did a good job too then of like bringing people out of it, not just with 22, but also with the, the hedge fund guy that they, they get to oh, earlier yes. in the film. So you just kind of see like, oh, okay, so it's just a, it's just another person or another little soul like the rest of these guys. Okay. I kind of get that. Um, and they didn't, they didn't dwell too much, too much in that front. I will say the, the genuinely, the only complaint I have with the movie kind of goes a little bit to what you were, you were saying, Kent is, Maybe less that I, I wanted more in the real world and less in in the afterlife. I did think the pacing was a little bit off on this one. It, it felt um, it felt kind of rushed in places, and I th- I think that's just from I think that just is a result of uh, two worlds really. You know, you're 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 telling you're telling a, a big story in two different settings, and there's a lot that has to be accomplished in that that place, but. Whereas like Inside Out, I think is a, is actually a, an absolutely perfect film from a, from every standpoint. I mean, it's a, that, that movie to me is a masterpiece, but from a pacing standpoint is unbelievably good and mm-hmm. builds the tension so well that, you know, when it finally uh, breaks in the last like 20 minutes, it's, it's, it really, I mean, you feel it, like it really weighs on you and stuff. It's so good. This one uh, with Soul, you, you there are there's not quite as much room to breathe. And so it, 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 you're going pretty quickly. And so a couple of the, the moments that I think probably would have hit even harder with a, with a little bit more room to breathe, um, kind of feel like, Oh, especially towards the end, I'm not, not spoiling it, but like the last, when it ends, you're like, Oh, okay. Kind of abruptly, you know, it's like, okay. And soul, that's the end, you know, and, and a couple other places like that, I think could have been, 
maybe fleshed out just a tiny bit more. The the rare movie that maybe could have used five more minutes of runtime instead of uh instead of the other way around, which we you know we typically say, but but I was content with the the back and forth between the afterlife and Earth. I just wish it would have been maybe fleshed out just a tiny bit better. But I don't know. What about you, Richard? Where do you, where do you stand on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I, I worked for me on. I thought these were you know. <laughs> I'm always sort of waiting for these movies to like move on just because I'm, I'm all caught up in the field. Mm-hmm. So I never really know how well paced like I'm toy story is literally taught in colleges for how well the story structure and sure. pacing is. And I'm always like, eh, I lingered a little too long on that. I didn't like that. <laughs> um, so I, I'm not the right person to ask. what do you think of the man? And the, the kind of pretty big stars for Pixar. They don't normally go like stunt casting wise, but man, how how good was this voice cast? I thought it was so emotive and w- well acted and everything from a voice standpoint. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Foxx is great. Man, yeah, Jamie yeah. Foxx was 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 really good. Um, you know, certainly felt like they took a page out of the Inside Out book by <laughs> Tina Fey as twenty two. Um, you know, with with Amy Poehler being uh, in Inside Out. So that felt felt reminiscent. I thought the voice cast was fantastic, especially Angela Bassett in the jazz band was amazing. Questlove, of course, and you know David Dick. They had they had some really authentic, um, emotive characters in this that felt like real. Like these, it it didn't feel like you're in this crazy animated world. Like the the Earth scenes felt like I don't know, it, photorealistic in a way where it felt. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. a real world, like you're not in a, a Pixar movie in those scenes, and I think that's an accomplishment to make something feel animated and real without it falling into the uncanny valley of creepy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this did that so perfectly. And gosh, the soundtrack, the score, you know, we'll get, we got to get into that. But um, I just want to give a spoiler alert right now. So spoiler alerts coming up right after this. I'm going to take a minute to thank our sponsors of this episode, Keeps. Guys, 2021 is the year that you're going to keep your hair. So much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair. I know for me, when I got up there in age, for me, it was actually not even getting up there in age. I started losing my hair when I was a lot younger, and it's scary. You know, you're taking a shower, and you're like, why is my hair coming out? I don't understand it. Well, with Keeps, it doesn't have to happen anymore. Keeps is the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Did you know that two out of three guys are experiencing hair loss? Guys, your hair is not going to keep growing as you get older. When it gets to a certain point, it's going to fall out. But it doesn't have to. You can get treated from home. You don't have to go to the doctor's office for a hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online safely. Get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They deliver the medication every three months. So you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. Keeps also offers generic versions of the only two FDA-approved hair loss products out there. You may have tried them before, but never for this price. So if you're ready to take action, prevent hair loss this year, you can do so. Thanks to our friends at Keeps. Go to keeps.com slash mad. Receive your first month of hair treatment for free. That's Keeps. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash mad. Check out their before and after photos online if you don't take it from me. Keep your hair in 2021, guys, with keeps. Okay, I want to get into the score of this just a little bit. Gosh, I, I watched this without knowing who did it. Um, it was it was flawless. It was so genuine. Yeah, it was it so it, it, it was so uh, realistic. I guess is the right word. I'll probably think of the right word here in 20 minutes and I'll bring it up. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, come to find out, oh yeah, it's John Batiste, who I adore, <laughs> doing all the jazz. And it's Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross doing all the other <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, of course it was, you know, that's why I'm crying, you know? <laughs> and so yeah, I thought they, they absolutely nailed the the music side of this thing, um, the realism in which, you know, because there's a lot of nuance to jazz. There is. And, you know, a movie like Whiplash really emphasized that in a in an effective way on screen. You know, some of the close-up shots they did and some of the jazz musicians they did or that they had in the movie was able to portray that 
And some of the shots in this movie, like the close-ups of the saxophone playing with mm-hmm. all the little gears and all that, you know, going crazy on it. Saxophones just, are such fascinating, you know, yeah. tangible, tactile things. I've never played one or anything, but I've always, since I was a kid, been fascinated by a saxophone because it's so... I just I like buttons. Like I miss my BlackBerry, so I think I I have a weird weird fascination. But yeah, I love us. Those are some of my favorite shots of the movie. I just love. I think saxophones are such interesting <laughs> objects. Yeah, all the shots of them in the the half note club on stage yeah. with all the, the 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 lighting and the piano there. It's just it's just it's just fascinating. And what what also I I found amazing is their ability to portray the soul of music and the soul of creativity. You know, those, those moments in the movie that Mm -hmm. first in the first scene where Joe gets invited to go to the uh, rehearsal and he's really nervous and he starts playing the piano and he kind of goes, goes on a little uh, improvisational tangent and he falls into this astral, you know, his own zone, you know, And, 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 but Animation wise, it falls into this fantasia like <laughs> dream sequence almost, you know, where he's got stars all mm-hmm. around him and everything. It, it was amazing how well they were able to capture that because, you know, as somebody who's played music on a live stage before, it, it's it's a weird thing how when you get into a live stage and, and you you I don't know start performing, Richard. You know, you can attest to this with with stage acting. It's like your nerves go away and you hit this like otherworldly adrenaline zone rush, you know, where you can't even explain yourself. It's like your talent takes over, your instinct takes over. You're not even thinking about what you're doing and playing. Absolutely. It's just like Absolutely. total creativity. Um, and time is the, – the concept of time is different in that. I mean when I was yes. doing my, my erotic one-man show – no, but no, seriously, right? No, it's like it's something about performing with an audience. Um, whether it's you know, I've done, yeah, I've done not as much, not nearly as much music as you can. I mean, the hours and hours and hours and weeks that you've done, but I've done a little music in per, in front of people, and I've done comedy in front of people, and I've done acting. Man, it's like it can be an hour or it can be five minutes, and it feels like the same amount of time. You do, you kind of uh, that's a great comp. Yeah. You do kind of just uh, and the movie really shows that well. They kind of. There's something mm-hmm. about that that is um, almost supernatural. In the it it is. So it, it really, it really, that, truly not is. Not that the performance is ever what I do, and, but the the experience of it. From you know, I'm sure Pixar felt the same way. You know how do how does the the dream team at Pixar all go to lunch and then come out with five billion dollar movie ideas? <laughs> they don't know. They're just sitting there having coffee, having fun conversation. Right. It's supernatural. It's otherworldly. Um, you know, the genius creativity. And I thought the movie did a fantastic job of portraying that, especially in those scenes with Joe. And, you know, there is something about it where you go on stage and you can play flawlessly. But as soon as you get in a studio, you're like, why can't I play? Mm. Why, why, can't, why could I play all this last night and not miss one note in the two-hour set? But as soon as I try to play one line of the song, I can't play mm-hmm. it. Uh, right, you know, because right, as soon with as your... you start concentrating on it, you yep. can't do it. It's like your the soul, you know, so to speak, is gone. You know, <laughs> you're not in that that moment, and that was that was a fascinating thing to for them to be able to portray here. And I did not expect that with this movie. I was like, gosh, they absolutely nailed that aspect of it. <laughs> what makes what makes you know what they called it here is the spark. You know, or I guess mm-hmm. the spark is what your passion was, but. I consider the spark like that otherworldly, heavenly place you go to mm-hmm. when you're doing something that you love. You know, mm-hmm. I guess that's uh, my interpretation of it. But Brian, you have any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not a I'm not a creative like you. I have, I, I don't I don't perform or anything like that. Um, like you did, Kent, and like like you have Arby. Uh, unless I'm on a basketball court. This is right? a performance. Yeah, uh, wait, this is a, this is a whole. This is a character. <laughs> Brian Gill doesn't actually yeah. exist. His name yeah. is. Mm-hmm, it's true. His, his it's name's true. Abraham. Uh, Shia LaBeouf actually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, but but I did think I thought that What's was that John that Mulaney fantastic. joke. Labouf is actually French for that guy. Looks like he has crumbs in his bed. <laughs> yes, yeah. my favorite Shia LaBeouf joke. So great, uh, Mulaney's the best. Uh, best wishes, Mulaney. Yeah, get, get well soon, dude. Um, 
But yeah, look, I, I think I think they they nailed the that aspect of it so much in adding to that the way in the psychology of creativity and yeah, yeah. and that the whole aspect of uh your your how your passion can overrun your life if you if you let it, you know, and the way that you can miss opportunities because it doesn't fit what you have decided is the the purpose and the path of your life and when i mean it's just a it is super heavy and deep um and they do such a fantastic job of distracting you from that with funny jokes and and yeah, pretty funny. pretty animation and all this sort of stuff it's it's a it's really a masterclass in in uh in story structure as we you know we've we've already said but like man i loved i love that stuff i thought they they really really explored uh creativity in such an interesting way and and maybe one of the best lines in the whole movie was when the uh the sign flipping hippie guy yeah uh, moonwind or or something like that uh, yeah, that was the I best that is Norton, real life per- like, persona yeah. was one of those sign flipping guys yeah <laughs> so but good. man i i thought maybe like the most insightful line in the mood that really made me go oh dang like kind of oh, i'm gonna get introspective now was when they you know they're out on the sea and they're seeing all these lost souls and he talks about how the I don't remember what the exact line was, but but the concept of the you know the, the there's a really fine line between being in the zone like you guys are talking about and being a lost soul. Like you're you're here, you're on this that you're you're here on the high, but it's so close to being you know on, on the very low end of that side. It's like a, wow, like that really yes, that kind of made me yeah. <laughs> like have some feelings. Like it really yeah. really was a was an impactful statement. Um, and then they're drifting across the you know the this. Uh, animated C while Bob Dylan plays in the background, you know, I mean, it's just a golly, what are these guys? They're just, they're coming yeah. from blood, you know, it's, it, they never, it yeah. was weird. It was that Christmas album of Bob Dylan's though. That was, a, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Murder most foul. It was a little, yeah. yeah. Right, uh, 22nd December, 1963. Um, November, actually not December. Uh, yeah, no, what I found awesome as well is how they were able to illustrate the fact that Joe was nobody without that spark, without that soul, Mm -hmm. you know, like his, his literal body exists back on earth. He's in a hospital bed, right. With this, with this random cat, but the souls are switched around, right. It's 22 Mm -hmm. soul in him instead of, and he's in the cat where he, he can't play this gig even if it's him without that soul, right? And, you know, you expect that thing when you see a movie called Soul about a jazz musician who loses his (laughs) soul. And you're like, okay, yeah, he's not going to be able to play jazz. and he's going to. So you you expect that. But the way it was done is is a different different thing altogether. Maybe that went on too long with the cat in 22. And and there's some comedic moments there. And maybe that um, does buy into the physical comedy just a little bit. But... This movie had a lot of a lot of great physical comedy and like the, almost the Buster Keaton level of it, you know. Some of the animation is so loony mm-hmm. with the way the characters move and the way the music syncs up with the characters that it almost is in like a a vintage Disney Fantasia level uh Mary Melodies <laughs> style cartoon. And that mm-hmm. I love that. I love that stuff, you know. I love the throwback feel of this. How it feels almost like a a a movie or a, sh- a show we would have seen as a as a youth in our in our youths, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't buy mm-hmm. into any of the, and Pixar doesn't do this in general. They don't buy into any of the trends in animation. It's like, oh yeah, Trolls made a billion dollars. All right, we're going to have four musical sequences, and one of them's going to have <laughs> Ariana Grande in it. You know, mm-hmm. like that's mm-hmm. that's not it. Even if that that would make money and people would like that, they 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 don't they don't do that. <laughs> and that's right. they do their own thing. But um, man. That I, I found I found that amazing too. So we are into spoilers now, and I, and I will say again, we're into spoilers now. So if you haven't seen Soul, I'm not ruining this for you. I'm not going to do <laughs> it. This is like, yeah, could be it could be life changing here. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> um, so here's here's my one not complaint, but like it would have taken this movie to absolute favorite Pixar movie of all time level. 
so you know, there's a lot of Borat voice. (laughs) There was Borat voice. There was plenty of Borat (laughs) voice in here for my state. The, um, you know, there's a lot of soul switching going on and, and Joel eventually finds a soul back and he sits down at the piano. And then there's that it, it it's the, I don't want to call it the money shot, you know, but it's like the, uh, it's, it's the, the sequence that they knew they had all along mm-hmm. that they were yeah. saving for this movie. Right. That they knew everybody's going to be bawling their eyes out no matter what mm-hmm. comes mm-hmm. before this, because this, how we've storyboarded this out, how we right. envision this, it all leads up to this. It's the reverse of up, you know, it's like yeah. that montage comes at the beginning of up and you're just like, Oh my gosh. And, and it sums up in its person's entire life and existence and feeling as a person and, and mm-hmm. essentially right. 30 seconds or, or yes. whatever it is. This is um, the mo- This is the joy realizes that sadness is just as important of an yeah. emotion in, in inside out or, or yes. uh, uh, Andy reaches into the box and finds Woody at the end of Toy Story. This is, mm-hmm. yeah, you, this is your, this is what we've kind of been culminating or, or moving towards. This is the culmination of all this effort. And now we're going to crush your soul. <laughs> we're going to crush your soul. And oh my gosh, guys, if, you know, when, when, when he goes into that, that dream, I guess it is, or that vision and that Trent Reznor score comes in with that like drone synth pattern. And it's just so heavenly. And he's reflecting on all of his memories as a, as a youth when he first heard jazz, all the stuff he's been talking about the entire movie, right. That, that you don't see. And he's, it's all those moments that are just perfect in life, right? All those, like, if you feel like if you're on your deathbed and you had a flashback right before you died, like this is what you would see, right? All these amazing, incredible things that have happened to you or, or all the good time. I mean, to tell you, I was just like, the tears were flowing, man. It was, yeah. It it was maybe the hardest I've cried in a in a Pixar movie, and <laughs> and it hit an absolute peak right there. And here's here's my one complaint with that. Right after that, they go boom right back to the dream world mm-hmm. for like twenty minutes, yeah. fifteen minutes, and I'm like, ah, oh, if they had stayed in Earth after he finds his soul, Joe plays the concert, kind of lives his life out, and. The, or, or maybe plays the concert. Here's what I envision for the ending. Um, he's playing the show and then he looks down in the crowd and he sees a woman and he realizes it's 22. And he realizes he had sparked 22's interest in jazz. And they had this other worldly soul experience in this past life, this current life, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And now she's and, Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and now she's Miles, Miles Teller. And <laughs> or no, no, now she's the, uh, whatever the, the, not quite the, my pace. It's weird the, because uh, it, since there's time travel, teacher. it's actually, it's Rachel McAdams that's in, <laughs> shows up. So, now we're talking. Um, and no, a plus plus, you know, like they, they meet each other in the real world. I was always waiting for that. Uh, for mm-hmm. 22 to to live out her own life as her own as her own uh, I don't know person or whatever sure. and, mm-hmm. or and this would be ultimate soul crusher tears flowing Joe and 22 get married <laughs> the end of the movie they end up together happily ever after well, sitting there playing tune, you know? playing piano together literally mm-hmm. just the same as as Ellie and Carl did and <laughs> In up, it's playing piano, just happily, happily ever after, sitting in their recliners. You know, gosh, I would have been like total masterpiece. I'm, I'm all in. This is the best Pixar movie ever. But yeah, no, they, they, they shot me back into the, into the creepy soul world for about 15 minutes. I was like, wow, that was so jarring. I was crying, and now I'm in this weird. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wiping no, tears as I'm I mean, like, I'm, these things are yeah. floating around. I'm like, okay, that was, that was, whew, I don't know. Yeah. I'm totally good to with the that. structure as is, but that's what I mean with the pacing. Yeah. Like that was yeah. a, and, and I will tell you, it worked better for I me. Mean, it worked quite well. First time around, second go, second time watching it. I was, uh, I guess maybe pre- knowing what was coming and being more prepared for it still did not do anything to diminish the emotional impact of it, but it worked, it worked better for me second time around. And first time was fine. It wasn't like, I was like, well, now this sucks. I'm out. But, uh, but it, 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 it hit 
I think harder uh, second time than than first time through. But I am with you. Like the pacing of that, like it's it is such a quick. All right, now back to the afterlife, so I can find twenty two and yeah, and that 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 thing that bit really cranks fast. Like it's a that is a kind of like a ten minute bow on a on on the movie. Yeah. And it's it, like okay, it felt hey, like it remember, probably we're in a movie, guys. Minutes. We're in a movie. We got to wrap this mm-hmm. thing up. Yeah, this is a movie yeah. here. We're not all having this emotional sure. breakdown here where we're all bonding. <laughs> this is a movie, you know. Yeah. Like that's what it felt like. Like it. it there's, there's sometimes when movies take on like an otherworldly kind of thing, you know, where you ignore mm. the story and you're just so invested in the emotion of the moment. And that mm. was maybe the most jarring t- experience that I've ever had watching a movie where I was yeah. so invested in crying and just completely the opposite it, within one it second. Was <laughs> it was Malachy. It was Terrence Malachy doing yeah. that, that yeah. little stretch. And, and I'm not a big so Malik guy. I think he... I liked when Malik made one movie a decade, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. less interested when he's, when he's cranking out five or six a decade. I just don't think he's that kind of uh, filmmaker, but, but yeah, there's a, I mean, like really felt quite tree of life-ish on the way that it, <laughs> that it presented that segment. And then it very quickly has to, all right, now we got to get back to, uh, got to get back to the movie. Got to wrap up this kid's movie that we've, that right. we've got here. Right. You know? Yeah, no, that that might be my one, like, if I could change anything scenario, mm, that would sure. be it. But, yeah. like, man, what a what an amazing movie. The detail, the attention to detail, all, all the, like, little, you know, the posters in Joe's apartment, the Duke Ellington mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, they cared about this movie to make it authentic and yeah. real and good. Well, in sending 22 as Joe uh, to have the little little conference with his student, you know, mm-hmm. if she wants to quit, yes. to quit band. And, that's then doors, and the cat's to, talking to him. And yeah, yeah man. Yeah, that, that was, and that's great. There's a great scene. And then, then he's, you know, in the, in the barbershop, that was a great little scene. Mm-hmm. And, and then the stuff with his mom, oh, was just, was devastating. And, and, just spectacular filmmaking. Like the whole, the bit of him talking as the cat, uh, to, 222 who's then kind of relaying the message and the whole thing of like well you know i i don't have a purpose like this all this stuff i was like dad gummit you are coming for blood here Pete doctor like that really was i mean i i felt that and like the the bit of uh, the way that he's he's interacting with his mom and stuff like that whole sequence i mean and that those are really i think those three scenes are essentially back to back to back with you know small interludes or whatever that that has as much of an emotional core, that's as much of the emotional core of the movie as the, you know, set of the piano sequence and the, you know, figuring out that spark doesn't mean purpose and all that kind of stuff. It's, 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 mm-hmm. man, it's really good, really good on that stuff. Yeah, man, this one, this one gets, uh, gets all my recommends, accolades, all that. I mean, what, what more did we expect from Pixar these days? I mean, like I said, they they have the process down to a science where when you know, when these come out, that they're going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> End of story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not going to come out unless it's a perfect film. End of story. And they have this incredible, you know, it's, it, it, it's like, it's like a sports team almost where they, they really encourage these artists to really flourish within this corporate, even when it was independently owned, it's run mm-hmm. like a tech company and it's, I mean, I'm certainly guilty of it. It's easy to sort of hate on corporate groupthink or business yeah. groupthink, sure. but it's enormously it's it's like the Spurs or the Patriots or one of these sports teams that just sort of yeah they have these iconic people like Popovich and Belichick and Brady and Tim Duncan, but they also are able to allow everyone else to flourish in this great way because they build this infrastructure. It's the best part of sort of bureaucratic business filmmaking. You would think mm-hmm. eventually they would get cynical or get quick or get whatever but it seems to just get more and more um sort of risky and and all that i mean kudos to them and and like you to bring it back and not to put a bow on it but to bring it back around ken on the on the bob Iger thing and kudos to disney for yeah maybe they nudge them to make a sequel here or there but really letting them make movies like this and uh, who you know this is something that i don't know how it does in the theater in terms of obviously it would have done fine but 
it's not going to make as I don't think it makes as much money as Cars Four, but allowing them to do that, saying it's it's good for the overall brand of Pixar, mm-hmm. and thus for the overall brand of Disney for these kind of movies to exist. As long you know they're not losing money, they're still mm-hmm. creating stuff, and kids still right. dig them. And God forbid, kids see something a little more highbrow, and, and it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if it changes when Bob Iger. I think he's officially gone now, but we know he came back amid coronavirus um you know he just so understood the creative process i mean going going so far back in his career and all the way you know he was the one who greenlit twin peaks you know he he was handed a a tape and said here's a show and he was like i don't know what this is but i know it's good you know or i know it's different and i'm willing to put it out there and let creatives be creatives and that's what he was able to convince steve jobs and i'll be interested to see if if and when he leaves, how you know creatively, if Pixar is able to maintain their creative integrity and have people around that that really understand and support that, and don't see dollar signs with every single movie yeah. that they do, I think you know for his emeritus status that he, I mean, look, he may go be ambassador to wherever, but it, mm. if he does the original plan where he's sort of um, you know CEO emeritus, chairman emeritus, whatever, and he has a portfolio of special projects, I would imagine the Pixar relationship would be in that portfolio, right? Where he's still a mm-hmm. consultant on that, where he's still maybe the translator between I speak Pixar and I speak, you know, Disney park. Okay. Let's get Bob in on this meeting and, and see what his thoughts are on it. I would hope that that if he has a part-time role with, with overseeing Disney as someone who has, I'm sure a ton of Disney stock, uh, that, that he would, he would keep that. That's a big part of his portfolio going forward. I would think. Yeah, same. Well, it's um it's good. It's good to see another another great movie and I, I I'm ready for a grade if you guys are. Let's do it. It's an A plus. Boom. I I don't know this this is gonna be a tough one for the end of the year, but uh let's just say it's very high up there. <laughs> right now in terms of the uh, <laughs> final movie ranking for the year in terms of Pixar. I don't even want to go there in my mind right now where this one ranks all time, but it might be number one, to be honest with you. Wally's my number one I, I, I mean, for Toy okay. Story two. Those are my top two. Um, so uh, this one might have a place in there. It might. Mine's good dinosaur. Then a big gap. Um, and then, and then a shark. Cars tale. Three. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, insisting that, I'm insisting. I'm insisting. I'm yeah, what uh, about Flushed Away? Go. Where's that fall in here? Oh, that... man. Love that one. Love that one. Over the uh, Hedge. Over the Hedge. That was the one with Gary <laughs> Shandling, right? Uh-huh. I think yeah, Gary Ben Shandling. Fold's soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Classic. <laughs> ben I'll Folds. go ahead. I, yeah, he did the soundtrack. Yeah, Ben Folds that. did all the music for that. that <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. His, yeah. He had a little kid, you know? You get like, okay, I want to make something my kid can listen Even to. Even the kid was like, that was not good, yeah. Dad. <laughs> Why'd you? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Play you rock that. in the suburbs or get out. God, yeah, exactly. dad. Yeah, I don't know why you put brick on the soundtrack, dad. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go A plus as well, Brian. Yeah, A plus for me. Uh, I would say somewhere in that, like it might be top five. Pixar. I mean, Pixar's hard. It's it's Toy Story three yeah. and Inside Out and Toy Story and Wally. Incredible. I mean, these are Coco. These are great movies. Uh, so it's it's tough, but it's. At the moment, I've still got about eight, ten movies that I intend to get to uh, before we do our end of year list. So who knows from that front? But right now, I'd say it's probably sitting at it's it's this or Defy Bloods probably at at top of the top of the list for for uh, for twenty twenty and and a uh, certainly one that I'm more likely to rewatch than uh, than Defy Bloods. So uh, yeah, a plus for me. All right, there you go. That's Soul from Disney Pixar. Starting 2020 uh, off. No. From 2020, I know it's a 2020 movie, but we're starting our show off on three A pluses. Hopefully that's a good omen for a year. Absolutely. Let's hope. All right. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend before we get out of here, fellas. Weekly recommends. Brian, you want to kick things off? Sure, man. Uh, there's a show that uh, came on the old HBO Max. A uh, few, I don't know. I honestly have no idea when it came on, but I, Lindsay and I started watching it uh, over Christmas break, and it, it turned out to be really fun. I had a good time with it. It's a, it's called The Flight Attendant. Have you guys watched this with Kaylee 
Co- yeah. Coco, Coco. Yeah. I don't know. Sarah watched it. Um, okay. And so, you know, seems like a Sarah show. Yeah. Kind very of much. A Sarah yeah. Show. My wife watched it. I have not watched it yet, but she, um, okay. She said I would like it. So I like it. Yeah, it was Cuoco. quality. I, man. I wasn't a big bang third person, but I always thought she was sure. like kind of better than that show, you know, in a ways I was thought yeah. she's good TV yeah. kind of actress. Well, it's, it was a uh, it was a fun show. I was a little surprised at how uh, I don't love murder shows because they're just you know they're just super murdery, and you're mm-hmm. just like, okay, I'm kind of I'm just buried in all the murder and uh, not a lot of fun. But this one was was actually pretty funny and had a had a uh, quality sense of humor about it. It's it's a uh, it's a Greg Berlanti show. That's the guy that that produces like uh, the Flash, those those CW DC movies yeah. or excuse me, TV shows and stuff. And I think he's got a pretty good sense of humor and understanding of like how to bring levity to really dark yeah. situations. So, uh, but Kaylee Coco is really good in it too. Like, she, I wouldn't surprise me if she was looking at a, a an Emmy nomination or something. Uh, it's very so. But yeah, it's, it's look, it's eight episodes. It's pretty self-contained. I think they kind of set it up for a sequel series, but it's not. It's it certainly doesn't end on like a cliffhanger or anything. Okay. It's kind of tightly wrapped up in that eight episodes, and uh, and I had a good time with it. We we binged it pretty quickly, and uh, and it was an enjoyable show for both of us. And sometimes that can be difficult to find. So uh, yeah, check that out. The flight attend attendant on HBO Max. Nice. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show before. I think I have uh, recently, maybe in the. On the VIP episodes, but um, I'm all for these self-contained series. You know, mm-hmm. you know. Speaking of yeah. Twin Peaks, like the the eight episodes, we're in, we're out, and we're done. You know, Twin Peaks had a couple seasons, but you know what I mean. Like the very sure. short. We know what the story is, and that's it. We're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, there mm-hmm. might not be seven seasons where we don't know where this thing's going. If people are watching, it's just going to keep coming right. on. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like this trend. Mm-hmm. I, I it needs to keep going these at the these very limited least series. I, yeah i like when what it seems if this gets another season or five if it stays true to formula the the seasons themselves will be self-contained at least so you're not gonna at least i would expect you're not going to feel like wait now what happened in season one and how does it relate to the events of this random episode in season four you know what i mean like it's going to be pretty uh, this each season is self-contained, and that works for me too. If you if it's successful, and you're like, hey, we really people really like these characters and this the the premise and whatnot, so we'll just we'll keep running that back. But we're gonna make the the main storyline uh, something that doesn't require you to think about uh, the events of previous seasons and whatnot. I think that that could be it could be done. It it has that that sort of uh, pedigree, I think, that it, it could pull that off as well. Good recommend. What about you, Richard? Yeah, I've got one a, a sitcom that they're they're uh, that I've discovered the last couple days. I've been watching with my life. That's hysterical. Called Stath Let's Flats. It's an English sitcom. Have you guys know anything about this? Have you heard anything about this? They're doing an American version, uh, like The Office. That's uh, Joe Monde, Brian. Um, oh, okay. Noted Timberwolves fan, the creator of great sporkle lists. Joe, yeah, Monday. exactly. <laughs> uh, but um, but yeah, so this is a show. Brian is an HGTV fan like me. Um, it's about a rental agent, um, in, in the UK it's, you know, flats or apartments and renting is letting. Um, so his name's Stath. He's a Greek, uh, immigrant, uh, for, or first generation Greek Englishman. He is the dumbest character of all time, <laughs> perhaps maybe only topped by his sister. They work for their dad who has this, uh, apartment rental agency and he, it opens every show with like a montage of him showing apartments and he's so bad at it. And he's terrible. And then it's about <laughs> kind of like the office style working place sitcom um, within this uh, apartment rental agency. It is so funny. I mean, it's the it's dumb. I mean, take Michael Scott and make him a hundred times dumber, and you'll have this. <laughs> it has like kind of some Sasha Baron Cohen, some uh, some Nathan in it as well. Uh, kind of vibes. I mean, this is a it's in it. It's classic English. It's like six episodes each season and they're like 19 minutes each. So you can do a season in like two and a half hours. Um, and then do go ahead and fire up the next season. I mean, we're, we have like two left and we just started it two days ago. Um, and you know me, I'm not a binger. Uh, so man, it's really funny. Uh, you know, you're, you're always optimistic on an American remake. I don't imagine, you know, hopefully they just kind of take the premise and do a different, uh, this guy would be hard to replicate, mm. um, his comedic style. He's the stupidest earring. Which is like such a funny choice. Um, 
It's just, it's great, man. I mean, it's, it's, I don't, it wouldn't, I mean, if it was 22 episodes a season of this version, it would get old, but like, you know, three hours of a season is, uh, hysterical, man. It's, it's really, really funny and, uh, very English. Um, but, but, uh, really out there and original. So yeah, staff lets flats, uh, you can stream it on like, uh, the BBC one player. Um, and there's other places I'm sure it'll hit a American full on streamer soon. Well, there you go. I'm excited to check that one out. I've got to recommend. I think I think it'll kill you, Ken. I think you will die. I know. I'm I'm excited to. <laughs> I'm excited to. I, I I trust your comedic instincts. So um, you've never led me astray that in, in that regard. Other other regards you have, not that regard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Except well, for Corky that one was a that's <laughs> one that Corky can't get that one back. Can't get oh, it. Man. Well, uh, I've got to recommend that's um, also on streaming, HBO Max. Uh, I know you guys are, are down for a documentary, and I know you're down for a music documentary. Mm. Um, I watched the Bee Gees doc. Y'all, the Bee Gees, uh, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? About the, uh, the Bee Gees. Frank Marshall did this, uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Um, it's uh, fantastic, man. I'm not a huge Bee Gees fan nice. at all. I, I don't... Um, I don't follow them really. I'm not, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I know like the hits, but, um, wouldn't consider myself a, a fan. Well, we can tell by the way that you use your walk that you are in fact, a lady. I'm a woman's man. man. Yeah. No time to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I want to yeah, see that too. I, Cause I don't like the Eagles and I love their documentary. So I'm excited to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's similar in that, you know, they, I, I, I wasn't do aware. They hate each other? Is there like some real <laughs> entropy there? Like, do they? Do they no, really... the opposite. Like, oh, they were. That's a bummer. I, they 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 certainly had a falling out. Like, I I didn't know that they were like a kind of a Beatles clone band. Like over in, in England, they're yeah, from yeah. Australia, but they they broke out over in England, huge, and were were basically you know a boy band back back in the day, and then they kind of broke up. And then they kind of got back together in the, I'm not going to spoil it, but you know, in the seventies and then had their, their second rise, but I wasn't aware of that, that whole first era of the, of the Bee Gees. And, uh, you know, yeah, maybe you want to go back and listen to some of their older music. Cause it's not disco at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. classic, uh, Brit British, uh, rock like the Rolling Stones or, or something it's like kinksy, that. kind of kinksy, right? Wasn't there yeah. early stuff kind of kinks? But it's really good because I mean, the it's, it's the three brothers and them singing together. I mean, they've always yeah. had, had great voices and it was yeah. before Barry was doing like the, the, the falsetto thing. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it was great. Some, some, some cool, uh, people they interview. Obviously, Justin Timberlake is in there. Um, Noel Gallagher. A lot of says a lot of great stuff about being in a brother, uh, being in a band with uh, you know your siblings, which is only certain people can uh, relate to being at that level. Um, and yeah, it was, it was it was a very very well done documentary. Uh, there's a sequence nice. where they um, you know the disco era kind of ends, but the way they portray that in the movie, I won't spoil it. Was 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 awesome. <laughs> it, it was one nice. of the more creative things I've seen done. With documentary editing, um, so mm-hmm. hats off to the team that put this together, and it's worth checking out, man. If you if you've heard any of the stuff, mm-hmm. and even if you've seen Saturday Night Fever, they talk a lot about how that movie came about and some a lot of behind the scenes of that movie with uh, with this um, documentary as well. So check that out, uh, the Bee Gees. Uh, how, how can you mend? How much? Up? How much time do they spend on the the Barry Gibb talk show? They don't from SNL? mention. The very good talk. Show. Okay, do they talk well, about I'm out then. do they talk about chest hair and do they talk about crazy cool medallions? <laughs> talking about, talk about politics. politics. No, they don't. Um, but what I did, I'm not joking you. I watched the Bee Gees documentary and then I went on like an hour deep dive on YouTube <laughs> watching all the very good talk show because Timberlake's <laughs> wow. in it and, the, and Timberlake doesn't yeah. even mention. I'm sure they interviewed him about it, but like. It's probably one of the things that Barry Gibb was Robin, like. Barry Robin. Gibb was like, I don't want that in there. I, I don't want I don't so want people much. making fun of God. me in my own documentary, yeah. you know. Uh, but that's no, I don't. that's one of the things that served their, their legacy <laughs> is uh is the the Barry Gibb talk show is maybe uh, one of my top maybe my top yeah. recurring SNL bit ever. I used I, to have I a C D of that. that burned, like a video. It was like a <laughs> that you would put into a CD ROM on a computer because you couldn't share yeah. links back in the day and I would just keep it I had like three of them on one CD, you know, downloaded from 
Kazaa or something, some virus, you know, malware. And I would <laughs> keep it in my glove compartment, like bring it to people's house. And be like, have you seen the Barry Gibb talk show? I'll show it to you right now. And you, you have a so PC great. handy and I'll put it in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, that was the best. And yeah, that was such a great, hilarious. The idea of doing that, the idea of doing the Gibb brothers and then having them do like meet the press is like yes. the funniest <laughs> concept ever. I wonder who, who did that. I, uh, Steve that. Higgins, I think. Yeah. Uh, Cause sense. he's the one who does okay. like the, uh, the voiceover for it. Okay. And I think it was him and Jimmy Fallon doing it. And God, Jimmy Fallon is, is fantastic. Where, it's like, where he goes constantly in and out good. of falsetto the yeah, whole time. And yes. uh, he just so pissed off and doing ninja kicks. Brother, and yeah, it, it's in that weird really 70s era too, where they're so only good. wearing Gosh. white and diamonds and sequins. Yes. And yes. <laughs> so, so funny. So funny. Man. Yeah. The whole concept of it is, is what's great, but yeah, check out that documentary, man. You guys, you guys would really Sweet. like it. It's a, uh, it's um yeah, it's worth your time. Very cool. I'm a Supreme Court Justice, Sandra Day (laughs) O'Connor. Nancy Pelosi. (laughs) So good. All right. That's uh that about does it for this main feed episode of of Mad About Movies. Again, sign up for for the VIP if you want more from us for the Happy Gilmore episode. And if you want more what's to come in the new year. A lot of special fun things happening there. Check that out and check out that State of the Union for details on what we're going to be uh, going to be doing. So follow us on the Twitters. Brian's at Beagle12. Richard's at Richard Barden. I'm at Kent Garrison. And we are at Mad About Movies. And hopefully we'll see you soon here at the Zimmer. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you pegged. But I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya-ya. Your salads and scrambled eggs.